Hi, you're listening to the Ambition Podcast. I'm Ellen Buckin, Communications and Insights Assistant at AMBA. Last month, I had a conversation with Amir Sharif from the University of Bradford. His research focus is on the circular economy, and we spoke about steps business schools and individuals could take to contribute to this, and also how COVID-19 has impacted the circular economy now and in the future. Here's that conversation. Could you introduce yourself and tell me a little bit about your career, please? Sure. Well, hi, everyone. My name is Amir Sharif. I am currently the Associate Dean for International and Accreditations in the School of Management at University of Bradford. I joined the University of Bradford in 2017. And before that, I was at Brunel University in London. Uh, for about 10 years, but I haven't always been an academic. So my my career really is a mixture of different experiences and different roles that I've had, uh, which includes working in industry uh, for lots of different companies from uh, investment banking through to consulting. I've also been a software developer, but in the past, I've when artificial intelligence wasn't as, you know, exciting and as a, as a really fashionable topic right now. I was an AI researcher back in the past as well, which is what I did my, my PhD in. So I've had a very varied career. I've worked in lots of industries and sectors, as I mentioned. But now my, my interest is really very much in education, higher education and business and management education. So most of my research and teaching interests are in the area of circular economy uh, which I'll talk about in a minute um, and explain a bit further. And so my research interests really are around the topic of uh, food waste, but also in terms of food security and what that means for individuals, communities, organizations as well, uh, and intersecting areas of energy and, and water security. And I have a few colleagues that I work with at the university and elsewhere including a, a PhD students that are looking into into those topics. And I guess the other key thing of area of interest for me is being a, a, an engineer by my first degree is how things work, uh, but more importantly, how social systems work. So a lot of my interests are around um, complexity, around how uh, social systems interact with each other, how people make decisions and that, then cuts across into things like behaviors as well. So I've got a very, very wide range of interests, but my, my focus at the moment is, is quite firmly around um, circular economy, sustainability, and all of the, the associated areas there. So, so that's it. Yeah. Could you explain what the circular economy kind of means a little bit more? Sure. So I really didn't know what the circular economy was myself up until a few years ago. But the idea of a circular economy actually is a very old concept. It's nothing that new. It's the idea of a circular economy actually has its roots that go back well over 40, maybe even 50 years or more. So this, a circular economy isn't really economics as such, although it's got the word economy in it. I mean, sometimes I get asked to talk about 
economics in extreme depth. And I have to remind people or tell people I'm not an economist, actually. So, But circular economy really is about a different way to look at uh, our broader value system, if you like. And circular economy really, if I can go into one, one phrase or word, is about adopting a zero waste approach. So trying to avoid uh, producing waste as much as possible. In our current economic system, which has existed for around 300, 400 years or so, you could call it the, 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 the capitalist-based view of the world, has worked very, very well. And in that sort of system, we produce goods or services which are then consumed, but then they're consumed and then thrown away. And this sort of linear system has existed, as I mentioned, for a long, long time. But look at all of the issues that it's created. So pollution, but also things like wastes, which are now starting to affect the environment. And we've seen that very, very clearly in the last few years in terms of plastic waste, but also over the last 10, 15, 20 years in terms of the effect of pollution on, on the environment and increasing increasing levels of carbon in the atmosphere leading to uh, rapid climate change and overheating on the planet. So circular economy really is about thinking uh, about the wider economic system, trying to reduce waste, trying to have a zero waste approach. And it's also typified by another acronym, which is used a lot, which is the four R's. Um, So that means reducing our consumption, reusing products and services where we can, recycling products where we can also. And of course, there's a lot of activity that the whole world has been involved in, in terms of recycling, which has been a very successful strategy. But recycling isn't the only thing that that is involved in, in the circular economy, nor is reducing consumption, nor is reuse. The other key thing about the circular economy actually is about redesigning. So that's about redesigning how certain products work and how they operate. And that can be anything from a complex piece of machinery such as a car that in the future and even now can be uh, reused and disassembled very easily so that all of those component parts can be used again to extract the most value all the way through to things like a plastic bottle. As we know, for example, there are only four types of plastic that can be recycled or reused out of a total of 12 different types of plastic that are manufactured in the world. So the circular economy really is about changing the way that we do things. It's about changing the way that we manufacture products, how we provide services. It's also about how we consume those products and services as well. And it's about thinking how we can extract and retain value so that we don't lose it and we we don't throw things away needlessly. So it's not just a business concept, it's a societal and some would even say it's a lifestyle concept which goes beyond merely recycling. So it's actually quite quite a holistic view of things which has impact on, on businesses, but also societies, governments and the individual as well. So that's that's what that's what circular economy is in a, in, a, in a nutshell. I was reading on your LinkedIn that one of your kind of areas of interest right now is food security and the circular economy. Um, how do you think that COVID nineteen has impacted food security in the UK and globally? 
Well, that's a really good question. And I had a recent article on Brink News in May uh, of this year, in 2020, where I, where I talked about this. So just to recap what, what, what I said and, and that piece and my thoughts in general, what we have seen and, 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 and saw at the start of the COVID-19 global pandemic is, of course, great concern and a lot of anxiety uh, from from people all over the world and in a sense a sequence of of, of uh, behavioral events you know there was a lot of panic buying of for example uh, toilet paper we saw toilet paper people buying lots of toilet paper hand sanitizers but also food products uh, staple food items such as flour eggs pasta and water you know this the, the, all of these things were suddenly high value items because people were thinking oh my god what's going to happen but what we actually saw was that food systems and the supply of food didn't really collapse there was a great worry and anxiety when the pandemic started and when people were thinking about how this will affect uh, each of us that the food system might collapse and there might be a reduction in food supply and we might not be able to get food and therefore there was a lot of stockpiling but not just of food but of other items as well that really hasn't happened and the interesting thing about the the pandemic covid-19 pandemic and food systems and food supply is that food supply and food supply chains have actually worked really well and that's because food supply chains have been developing over many many years and have become very very sophisticated and are sophisticated in the sense that that those supply chains are built to be resilient to what we call shocks or extreme or sudden events which are unpredictable so in terms of food security which is defined as the accessibility availability and utilization or consumption of food food security in a very large part for most parts of the world has actually been okay it's been quite good so we have had food security that said the world food program uh, has noted that for quite a number of people in the world especially those in the global south and in some emerging markets they will face very very acute food security issues and there will be actually a a doubling of uh, food insecurity in countries which were previously experiencing a lack of food supply or very very uh, limited supply of resources in those countries so there's a mixed picture actually in terms of food security in developed countries we haven't seen that drastic uh, uh, impact upon food supply chains and they've been very resilient but in other parts of the world where food security has been an ongoing issue before the pandemic started unfortunately that has increased food insecurity in those countries but by and large we haven't seen a uh, collapse of, of of the global food system as such because it's actually so resilient and food supply chains and food manufacturers and suppliers have learned from previous pandemics, previous uh, economic and other uh, cases and shocks over time. I was interesting to ask if you think that like food security and food supply chains would be more resistant in the future if they developed a more circular economy kind of approach. And what would that look like? 
So food supply chains and food security is not immune to everything at all. Food supply is still a fragile system. You can't really decouple food from how it's supplied and distributed and used. And so when we think about food, food security and food supply in the circular economy, yes, we do have to think about the value of food. We have to think about how food is consumed, how it's wasted sometimes, how food loss occurs. And just to point out that when we talk about food waste, it's different to food loss. Food loss is when you have uh, losses or you have a removal of food, if you like, from the food supply chain. That's not due to consumption. So that might be where you've got, where you, you might have food that is spoiled or might be contaminated en route to the customer. But food waste is very much related to human behaviors, to our consumption habits. So there's a lot we can do as consumers, organizations, communities, countries even, around reducing our food waste and adopting circular economy practices. There are health uh, hazards as well, however, so we have to be a bit careful. We can't use food perpetually um, because, of course, uh, or certainly organic organic material, uh, food is organic material, so you can't constantly reuse or keep certain food items in your in your fridge or in your in your home for a long period of time because they'll either decay uh, or, or will cause other uh, uh, unintended health effects so we have to be careful about that but this all food food security and food waste is also about things like portion control it's also about how we dispose of food that we no longer need but it's also about how we purchase and identify the amount of food that we will we will actually need to consume so that's one side of it that's the behavioral side uh, i guess if you like it's it's how it's how we have that relationship with food but in terms of businesses organizations also need to consider how they distribute uh, food and related items and in the future post-pandemic as i mentioned Food supply chains have already shown that they're quite resilient and resistant to global global shocks by and large. They will have to continue to be like that. But also what we've seen is because there's been a, a massive reduction due to lockdown of international trade and international uh, transportation, for example, uh, albeit with, with, with the exceptions of companies like Amazon and, and other large carriers and distributors, there's been a shift on a, on a behavioral and a societal basis to sourcing food and obtaining food locally. So I think post-pandemic, after we get past the, the, the depths of lockdown, food supply chains and, and food security will have to also include uh, somehow a shift back to seasonal produce local food production and actually and actively include local food suppliers a lot more than previously and we've seen that a lot in terms of the emergence of uh, farmers markets and a trend towards uh, local food production so i think that will increase after uh, after after lockdown I think people are now a lot more aware of where their food comes from and will actually be a lot more uh, concerned and will actually start to challenge 
food producers and manufacturers as well because of all of these concepts that have that have come together and their experiences. That's fascinating. I was wanting to ask you about your thoughts on how COVID-19 has impacted the environment and the progress being made to meet the UN Sustainable Development Goals because there's been a little bit of debate about um, how it is impacting and how if it's a positive or a negative on the environment. I just wanted to know your thoughts. Yeah, that's a very good question. And of course, because of lockdown, there's been a huge global reduction in travel, of course, in movement of people globally. And that's had a, a significant but not as significant as we would have we would like, of course, but it has still had a significant impact upon carbon emissions, of course. And that's led to, you know, lots of different wonderful things happening. For example, cleaner air over major industrial cities, you know, in China, Beijing, for example, air pollution levels there have have reduced dramatically. Certain parts of, of, of the US and also in Europe and other industrialized nations. We've seen those pollution levels come way down as as uh, cars, planes, uh, even ships, but suddenly factories and places of work have all shut down. And those pollution levels, including some might say even light pollution and heat pollution, have all dramatically come down. Now, some of those effects have been really great because it's mean it's meant that we're now starting to see some other nice effects. So, for example, I don't know if you've noticed, but you know, when you, when you wake up in the morning, I can certainly, I can certainly hear now a lot more birdsong, and that's in place of the noise of of traffic and cars moving about. Where there's there's a lockdown, so there's not that many people going to work anymore, only essential workers. So, birdsong has increased. Um, which is an interesting effect. We've heard stories about dolphins being seen in the canals of Venice, although that's sort of disputed whether or not that's actually happening. But we have certainly seen as well the the, the uh, waterways becoming uh, a lot clearer and cleaner because there's not so much of that churn of material and of uh, uh, of other pollutants in in the waters, global water systems, because of shipping and and tourism, etc. So there has been a huge effect that we've seen very very quickly and very visibly on on our environment because of lockdown and because of the pandemic. That's going to affect, of course, how we view the world after after the pandemic passes, and it will hopefully will 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 pass. But in terms of the SDGs, the Sustainable Development Goals, United Nations Sustainable Development Goals, what I think this is will prompt us all to think about is it's certainly prompting us to think about our environment, our relationship to the world. And it also has highlighted that within a, a very short period of time, even though it's been 10 or 12 weeks so far since the start of the global pandemic, effectively the world economic system has shut down. And that's had an impact, a positive impact upon our environment. So some of those SDG goals around clean water, uh, uh, environment, sustainable cities, reduced consumption, climate action, life below water, life on land, they have seen, they ha- there has been improvements. The challenge is how those improvements to those SDGs can be maintained through more positive action after after the 
pandemic. And just to give you an insight into how people are thinking on this issue about uh, contributions to the uh, SDGs post-pandemic, recently at the University of Bradford on the 5th of June, we held a virtual sustainable sustainability day which coincided with World Environment Day. And one of the questions was exactly this, what, what, SGG, what SDGs should governments and policymakers focus on post-pandemic? And it was a really interesting debate and discussion between our students and, and staff and, and, and some invited guests as well. And all of the SDGs that you may have thought would and should be important are post-pandemic were actually discussed. So things like everything from um, SDG 3, for example, good health and well-being, through to quality ed education, SDG 4, through to affordable and clean energy, SDG 7, uh, and of course, the other ones that I've mentioned, SDG 11, 12, 13, and 17, sustainable cities, responsible consumption, production, climate action, and partnerships to achieve the goals. So all of those seem to be the most appropriate. But what we found was we conducted a little straw poll at the end of that uh, sustainability day at the University of Bradford. The thing that was most apparent and was of most concern was not necessarily the climate action SDGs. The SDGs that kept on coming up time and time again in, in people's minds and of concerns were all of the human actions that were more important. So that means in terms of community, in terms of reducing inequalities, in terms of health and well-being. And that's really important because even though we might want to change our environment and have a positive effect on our environment, we can't do that at the expense of neglecting ourselves. And current concerns about pressures and challenges in our communities means that we really do need to focus post-pandemic on those SDGs which relate to reducing inequalities, creating peace and harmony in our communities and in society in general, because that will support all of the other SDGs and the partnerships which are lie at the heart of sustainable, sustainable development going forward. So I think we need to think beyond climate action and climate change and actually also think about human action and human change and how we can support communities and societies, that's where the real change, I think, will, will come and have an impact on the SDGs. It's interesting you talk about um, like business schools um, and what they're kind of focusing on. And I was just wondering kind of what you think and how you think that business schools should be teaching students in order to move towards these goals that we've talked about. Well, absolutely. I think business schools have a really important part to play in, in that aspect and in, in supporting organizations, supporting businesses, the business community, different sectors, but also students who are going to be employed in those companies across different sectors and will obviously become part of the workforce and part of society overall. So I think... I can to give you an idea of, of, of how I think that would work. I just want to use the School of Management at University of Bradford as an example, because at, at the School of Management uh, in the University of Bradford and, and the university uh, in general, you know, I'm very proud to say that we include and integrate 
sustainability and circular economy perspectives uh, at the heart of our campus. We have just started as an institution to revise and relaunch our sustainability plan for the university and a sustainability strategy that builds upon what the university had previously in terms of being known as an ecoversity campus. Uh, and that means that we've, we've, we've had over the years uh, uh, on-site, on-campus energy energy generation and energy production. For example, in the last year or two years, we've actually produced more energy on campus than we consumed and we were a net contributor back to the grid. There's also fruit and vegetables that we grow on campus for the use of students and actually the local community as well. We even have a, a beehive uh, on, on top of one of our buildings. In fact, it's on top of the, uh, the, the School of Management's building where there's also a, a rural garden as well. And we have uh, composting and uh, an anaerobic digester as well on site. So at the University of Bradford, we, we really have got and really maintain a sustainability approach to running our campus and our university as a sustainable community. But of course, we teach and research in those areas as well. And in the School of Management, of course, we've been teaching and researching in the area of circular economy uh, for quite a while, for, for a good few years. And that's one of the reasons why I moved to the University of Bradford and the School of Management. And in terms of how business schools can then contribute to that and how we can get students involved as, as parts of the, the future workforce, we have to try and teach them all of the aspects that I've already mentioned. So it's not just about running a business, but it's about running a business in a more sustainable way but also in a more circular way. So this is about, as I mentioned, teaching students what does value actually mean. And a lot of the time businesses are focused on extracting, uh, such as uh, from, from extracting resources from the earth, for example. But actually the circular economy and sustainable concepts are about recirculating value back to society or back to organizations. So how do we maintain value? And the value proposition is a key business concept that all, all business students, business and management students know. And we need to sort of change the paradigm and change the perspective on that. So we need to teach teach that a lot more. But also as as we talk about and teach sustainability and circular economy concepts, one of the other key things is understanding how systems work. And I talked about my interest in systems as well previously. We live in a very interconnected world in a very interconnected society. So one of the things that circular economy principles teach us is that everything is interconnected. So we have to think about how our behaviors and our actions affects, affect other parts of the systems that we live in, be it communities or part of a business system as well. So we, sh we should um, and we must actually also teach our students how different types of social and business system work and interact. It's not all about fun the fundamentals, actually about some advanced concept as well. That includes traditional subjects where we need to tweak them to be more focused on on these areas of, of future challenge. So how do we develop future leadership for sustainability? What are the interdisciplinary supporting mechanisms? What things can we learn from other subjects such as the arts and humanities 
life sciences and engineering even and health sciences can we combine those perspectives into how we engage with businesses as i mentioned identifying the purpose of value but also and this is where we're at the university of bradford and the school of management is doing a lot of work how do we actively link with the communities that we are a part of business schools are not and shouldn't be in a bubble outside of the community and societies in which they live and operate. So through initiatives such as faculty community fellows, which we have now in the School of Management and and in our faculty more generally at the University of Bradford, we are trying to link with local businesses, local community organizations in order to bring them in to the university and also transfer knowledge to them, but also transfer knowledge from them so we can learn and we can transmit that back to students. So it's a range of different things that business schools need to do. They need to link with their communities. They need to maintain high quality teaching. And they also need to carry out, of course, high quality research that has an impact, significance and reach and benefit back to society. And those are the things that will actually maintain and propel Uh, us towards achieving success for the SDGs and for the circular economy. Well, I'm aware I've taken up more time than I said I would have viewers, but I just got one more question. Um, What could our listeners do or what could I do to kind of take steps to contribute to a circular economy as an individual? Well, thanks for that. And I think the only thing to end on is to take the circular economy challenge. Um, And I think that that circular economy challenge is is what I've already talked about, you know, the, the four R's, um, reducing, reusing, recycling, redesigning. But I'm going to add one more R to that. So just to recap, I think what what the, the listeners should listen out for and, and try to do to contribute towards a circular economy is, is, is certainly reduce your consumption, uh, consume less if you can. And that's very challenging and very difficult for us. Uh, but try and think about your consumption reuse where you can so consider where, consider the throwaway culture and con- the throwaway behaviors you might have can you extend the life of a product can you even repair things and this is what we've sort of lost over over time because we've got so so, so used to a throwaway culture oh we can buy another of the same thing uh, we can buy another shirt uh, or a T-shirt or we can buy a, another TV or another device, for example, because they're affordable. But that's not necessarily the point. The point is, how can we maintain value? So try to reuse things. We're very good at recycling, but that's the third R. But we might not be very aware of how councils and recycling centers work. So not everything that you think should get recycled, can get recycled. So we need to challenge and understand from our municipalities, recycling centers and recycling companies, what actually does get recycled. And so there's a lot more awareness of that. In terms of businesses, businesses and companies should look at where they produce products and goods. They should look at how can they redesign their products uh, and, and goods. And you only need to look at things on social media. For example, you'll see how lots of people now, uh, including companies, are encouraging each other to, again, not throw away the products that they have, but rejuvenate them, refresh them to increase the life and value of them. 
And the last thing I would say as a, as a quick tip is this is also a, a fifth R in that, in that circular economy challenge list. It's about reform. Now, when I say reform, that doesn't mean to say it's a very political thing, certainly not. But this is more about reforming yourself. This is about learning more about these topics, learning more about what does sustainability actually mean in practice? What does a circular economy actually mean? And arming yourself with that knowledge, because I believe as an educator and as an academic, but also as a practitioner, that with knowledge comes power. And with, you can use that power to change your action and behaviors. So I think those are the five things that I would, I would say to, to listeners to try and adopt. Reduce your consumption, reuse things wherever you can, certainly continue to recycle. That's important too. If you're a company or you're a manufacturer, to look at ways of redesigning your products and services and then reform to understand and learn more about how these things work and what does sustainability and circular economy actually mean and I hope that's of use and value. Definitely well thank you so much for speaking to me today. Uh, no problem thank you and I'm, I'm, I'm glad to speak about this and uh, I hope uh, everybody can get uh, take some take some things away from that. Thank you. Thanks to Amir for being on the podcast. I think he gave some great tips on how business schools and individuals can contribute to the circular economy. If you'd like more thought leadership, head to www.associationofmbas.com forward slash ambition or make sure to listen out for the next Ambition podcast.